Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. All right, so when we talked about uh, a while back, uh, one of the first episodes, we talked about different jobs that we may have had along the way. One of one of my uh, earlier jobs was be, was a referee, and I grew up in Coral Springs, Florida, which is probably looking back now, um, one, of, one of the best experiences that I've had. It gave me a lot of life lessons uh, being in Coral Springs, Florida, especially as a referee, uh, and also uh, introduced me to a lot of really cool people and probably became a hotbed to a certain extent for, uh, for quality referees that have now gone to do really amazing things. And one of those referees is uh, Marcos de Oliveira. Now, Marcos and I uh, grew up within the same, within the same city. Uh, I'm a little bit younger than he is, but I'm a little bit older than his brother. And we, we all played in the same town. We all refereed in the same town together. And Marcos went on to become an MLS referee. And he has now done a total of 42 games as a referee. And he's had over 150 games in general in the MLS. And he started as a referee in 2014. Uh, so, Marcos, you're on the podcast today. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me over here, Sebastian. It's great to catch up with you. And uh and see a little bit of your side of the world. So talk to us about your journey in general, starting from Coral Springs to, to now being in the MLS. How has that journey been and how, what were those steps that, that, that have gone along the way? Oh uh, yeah, it's definitely a long time to come in, you know, you know, Coral Springs, you know, South Florida in general is a special place. You know, you have a lot, a lot of people, a big mix of all kinds of backgrounds. And um, like you say, you know, you, you, looking back at it now, you see a lot of people that have gone on to do some pretty cool stuff, you know? Uh, so it's, you know, I think it's what, well, if you can stand out or strive in an area like that, once you get out of your background, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really just sticking to what got you there to have the ultimate, to have, to continue to grow and have success, you know? Um, so it's, 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 it's a nice place to, to get your base. I think that helped, you know, with that kind of competition, just knowing and seeing people do certain things uh, helped helped uh, guide us and, you know, myself and Corley to, to stay in the game, you know. And the longer you stay in the game, you give yourself a better shot at, at doing something with the game. So uh, I kind of went up like that, you know. So how do you – how does one – how does anybody in general – go from from being a recreational referee into like youth travel into the MLS? How, how does that work? Um, you know, like it, it's, you know, a lot of people dream it, you know, it's, 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 but you know, it, it is a reality, you know, it's just like, like, I'm like a lot of things, you know, you gotta, you know, put some, put a path and uh, kind of believe in it and go towards it. And uh, if you keep working hard, you'll get there. You know, I think one of the biggest differences is, Especially in the world of referee, we can where you can get an advantage of is is fitness. You know, I think just being fit and like I remember, you know, I, as a player, I, I grew up playing um, um, as a as a kid. You know, coming up, so when I became referee when I was thirteen, I, I was already playing travel soccer and trying to reach you know higher levels playing. So as I grew in it, my fitness it, it really helped me fitness wise. So at least I, when I when I was got to the age that I could, you could you know upgrade to a certain level to do better games or higher level games as a referee that playing side really helped me crush the, the fitness test, you know? And I remember from one of the first fitness tests I took, one of my assessors or guys that were like, 
If you can crush the fitness test like that, boy, you're going to be in the pros real quick, you know, and it's a line that, and I don't even know if you remember Mr. Zoom Stemple. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know how you remember that guy. And that was the line that, you know, he told me. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself, wow, I did that so easily. So you're telling me if I just do that, I got to, I get to be a pro. <laughs> so that stuck with me, you know? So even throughout times where I wasn't playing, I was like, I, I remember there was this bar that I always had to be at. So I mastered being better than that bar. And then I think when, like you said, with throughout time being the game, it's like opportunity came. Uh, I took it and I, uh, today I'm an MLS referee. Still passing that same fitness test. There you go. So what's your day-to-day training like in general? Because I, that was one of the things. So I, I watched, um, so UEFA did uh, or is doing a show called Man in the Middle. Um, mm-hmm. When we talked about it on the podcast before, which is an interesting documentary about uh, UEFA referees in the Champions League. And what what's really interesting, and I had this conversation with my dad, who's also a referee, is referees in general probably end up being older than the average player uh, just from a just experience perspective and just in general how, how it works, but you still have to keep up with those refer with those players. So mm-hmm. you in your thirties, or as you go into your forties, you have to end up still keep up. You have to keep up with a 21, 23 year old player. Uh, and you know, if we look at it from, from an MLS perspective, there's a lot of young talent, on those fields and there's a lot of speed on those fields as well. So what's the day to day to be able to keep up with a 21 year old, for example? Yeah. It's, it's, it's no joke. Like you said, you know, and it's sometimes it seems like it's getting harder just because, you know, these players are getting faster, younger and so on. Uh, but with, with pro, you know, uh, pro organization, professional referee organization, like, you know, I'm contracted by them. So uh, with that comes, uh, you know, a staff, right? So I have a staff that helps me uh, stay on my game, you know. From, um, so our, our sports science program, I have workouts. When I wake up, I, I do stuff that's check my heart rate, see if what kind of activity I'm ready for the day. And, uh, and then I do the workout that's given to me. I submit the data. You know, I wear a heart rate monitor, GPS, the whole nine yards. Um, wow. And uh, I dedicate a lot to it. You know, I would say earlier in my career where I, I really felt like, you know, like I didn't appreciate it so much, the fitness side and uh, taking care of your body side. I trained maybe a little bit less. And now today I'm into my 30s, I give myself, you know, uh, I would say just about most of my morning, probably four to six hours a day, really working on myself, you know. So from, you know, probably six to morning till noon, you're going to catch me only you know, working on, you know, some part of my game, you know, uh, every day, you know, uh, very few days off. Uh, so weekends, you know, and then, you know, with, with kids, um, it, it's referee world. It's such a crazy world, you know, because, you know, for most of the year I'm, I'm, I'm living on the road and then boom, out of nowhere, I'm home for three months, it's, you know? Right. So it's like, my, you know, my kids, my wife and kids are like, who's this guy? I just showed up, <laughs> wants to stay and dominate the house, you know? So it's funny how that plays, how play, plays into it as well, your normal routine. That's really interesting. So what's it like to have to have kids that can see you on TV and go, hey, that's that's my dad right there. What's what's that feeling like in general? You know, it's it's really cool. It's exciting. I think anything that, you know, that that, that strives motivation uh, is 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 awesome. You know, so that's what everything I give my kids. I try to show them a path and ways that they can obtain something or strive to obtain something. 
Uh, like it was really cool seeing that, you know, this year we've had a, kind of an outbreak of the female referees have taken some strong stance in our game. And uh, it, my, my daughter for the first time was like, look, dad, look, look, it's a, it's a, it's a girl refing. I want to be like her. I can do what she can do. You know, I was like, oh, awesome. You know, I think just seeing me or just seeing male, maybe she just didn't think she could actually do it. So you know, to actually see a female do it, she was like, whoa, I can do that. Uh, so I, like that day was a strong, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was an incredible feeling kind of impact day, you know, and I, I ex expressed this story to Tori, um, you know, with her just because it was, it was, a, it was, a, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a nice night. It was a good day for me, you know? Yeah. And um, so one last question before we, before we dive in a little bit into the deeper part of the, the referee. So if you had to give any advice to our younger referees and, and I mentioned to you earlier that, um, we have a, we have a grassroots referee program at our club and, and we take that as a, you know, when they, when our players get to be 13 and 14 years old, we really encourage them to get into the, to the referee side of things, just to give them a different perspective. Um, the fact that they can get paid for it is a, is a plus for them. Obviously at 14 years old, you get some money in your pocket, then you're happy. Uh, but at the same time, it gives them a different perspective of the game. And it also gives them a sense of responsibility, uh, which was for me was a big, was a big stepping stone into me becoming a coach later on. And some of the things that I learned as a referee, I've taken on as a coach as well. So what, what advice would you give a, a young referee that's just starting out or now is thinking about like, all right, well, maybe if soccer from a playing perspective is not, is not maybe an option, what, what could I still do? What, what advice would you give them? Um, look, uh, I, the best advice that I think I can give anybody, I just in life in general, is just, it, it, it all be, goes with fitness. You know, it, it really is, you know, when you're, when you're, when, if you're fit enough to do the job, you know, that alone eliminates a lot of people, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a huge trait to have. And something that I kind of, I think what really saved me and helped me even dot my lows was I knew that when that, whenever the season ended, it was a fitness test. I was going to start that year with a bang, you know, with like just showing them what I got, you know, and I think it really helped me guide me. So I always tell kids, man, stay fit, man, stay fit. Um, you know, you know, we'll work for something, um, uh, with refereeing, you know, it's a job, let's face it, you know, and I think a lot of people, and I think when you see it in the referee world, you see, I think it's common to see kind of, and I want to say it's unfortunate to say laziness refereeing, but it's because a lot of us are refing three. We've been there. I've already refed eight games in a day. You know, like I, I, I lived that 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 life that route. You know, um, I'm probably gonna pay for it in my skin very shortly. You know, um, but um, it, it's you know, so it's you end up you're you're refing to survive. You're not refing to enjoy it. And I remember when I took my when I took my when I became referee at 13, and then I I remember one of my that one in particular, I remember going back, I just remember seeing in the back of the book, there was a path. It was like, once you, you can go from grades eight to grade seven, to grade six, to grade five, to grade four. And then I saw the requirements and I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that. You know? And then I think when I turned 15, like I think when I was 14, I didn't recertify or something. So in the following year, they made me take the course again or something like that. So when I took that course again, I saw that path again. I said, wow, now I really know I can do this. Cause at that time I was probably you 14, you 15 player. Um, and it kind of, when I, so when I did go ref, I didn't really see it as a job. Like, yeah, I wanted to make money. I was making money at a time, but I ended up seeing it as like, I was working towards something. So I think that helped me, uh, it helped me be a little more motivated on the field rather than be a little lazier on the field, unless you really caught me on that eighth game, you know? <laughs> well, and I think that's the interesting part. And that was one of the big life lessons. And we're going to give a big shout out to Mimi Carlton, 
uh, on this because she's the one that really. So my first year as a referee, I I will admit that it, I did not take it very seriously. Uh, but my second year, I was refing a U6 or U8 game, and she came up and and as she normally did, would watch those games because that's when the younger where the younger referees were. And she uh, she came up to me and said, "What do you?" you're holding a flag and I think I might've been like sticking it into my sock or something. I don't know. I was 14 and dumb. Uh, so she was, she was like, um, this is a job that when you, when you, when you looked apart, there's a sense of respect that you're going to get because this is a job. People are looking for you for authority in this game and for, and these kids are looking up to you as the way for, for the game to be controlled. So you have to take this seriously or just don't show up anymore just don't just just don't come back and that stuck with me the idea of showing up on time the idea of pulling up your socks the idea of tucking your shirt in wearing black cleats and not showing up in like orange cleats um making sure that you had a watch making sure that when you were when you when you were an assistant referee you had your flag and you weren't just like twirling it around like it was a, a stick that you were playing with that it, it, very similar to you that's the part where i'm just like you know what you're right. Like this is an important thing. And me as a player, I was an average to below average player. So I knew that that wasn't necessarily going to be a pathway for me, but you know, in the 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, I was doing some of those. Uh, I was in the referee Academy for, for a while. And I was doing some of those games and some of the better tournaments and things like that. And that's when I was just like, this is a different pathway. Um, and obviously life took me into the coaching side of things afterwards, but I think that that's, and, and you made a good point of that. It, this is a job and you have to take it seriously. And I think that's my biggest thing. Whenever I see your, the younger referees on the, on the field, I look at them. I'm like, why aren't your socks pulled up? Oh, well, I don't have a game right now. Yeah, but, but you're still standing on the field. If you were sitting in your car, sure, whatever you want, but you're still standing in the field. You're a representation of all the referees. Now, if I walk, if I walk around and you're just sitting there, just lounging, on a chair with your socks out, socks down, eating a hot dog or something random like that. Like then that's a representation of it. You're not, you don't look prepared. Um, and that's a big thing, even for me as a coach and Dwayne and Dwayne and Brian have been with me in a lot of different games. My mood as a coach changes. If I walk up and I see a referee that looks prepared, you can make 99% of the calls wrong at that point. As long as you look, as long as you, you look like you have, the confidence and you looked the part, I'm good with it. That's fine. Uh, it, ultimately, we all make mistakes. I make mistakes as a coach. You show up to the game and you check my team in and your socks are down and your shirt's untucked. We're gonna have a we're gonna have an interesting day. Cause it just, just takes me, you're not taking it as seriously as these players are or as me. Yeah, it's definitely a big problem. This is a prior game. And I don't know how you guys are doing, but here in Florida, though, you know, we have a we're having a bad, we're having a hard time. Um, uh, assigning games, you know, we just, there's not enough referees for the amount of games we're trying to play. I'm not sure how you guys are doing over there in Delaware, but uh, what I'm hearing, a lot of people are having similar problems. Oh yeah. And, um, and now you, when you're just trying to fill spots and bodies, you know, how much quality are you getting? Right. Uh, I think I, you know, it's, it's almost like is that coming from, it could be almost like a trickle down effect, you know, from, from the top, you know, and, you know, if, if, if so maybe some of these leagues are having a hard time filling in some players, you're seeing some of the stuff that's going on with these injuries. Imagine what the referee side of thing is, you oh, know? Yeah. So I, I know we're paying for it. And then I don't see things really helping to bring in, you know, so I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I just know I've been seeing a lot of two mans. 
I've been seeing a lot of stuff that probably shouldn't be going on. And, and, you know, from where I'm coming, I'm just like, you know, it's hard to believe, you know, and then you guys start looking at it in more of a uh, liability issues, you know, oh, yeah. really in a strong liability world. And it's just, I'm, when I constantly see these games, it's, you're really seeing, you know, they're either the referees situations below par or, we can even be able to fill these roles to properly address these matches. Well, I feel like the the interesting part is, and at least we we see it on both ends of it. I think, and that the idea of the eight games in a day is is a tough one um, because if you get that referee in the first game, it's a different referee by the eighth game, obviously. Um, and if listen, if I had to coach eight games in one day, you're getting a different coach game one than you are game eight, probably as well. So. What's interesting, at least in our perspective of it, is that we have there's almost no middle ground. It's either the one side of the spectrum is the referees that have been refing since before I was born. Um, and no discredit to them, but mm-hmm. the game is the game is fast. And you know, to ref a U17 or U18 boys or girls game, and you're on the older ages, it becomes difficult, or it mm. ends up the players that are maybe a year older than the kids that are they're refing against. So it, it, or, or, so that becomes difficult. Uh, Brian, I think you had, a, you, you had a question that you wanted to ask. I'm going to go. I have to close down my Zoom and then I'll come back. But okay. one thing, I'm waiting for a couple of kids to come in so I can make this comment. So you were talking about that eight game, you know, doing eight games in a day, like the taxing on a, on a player's body. And you, you also mentioned something, or a referee's body. Did you mention something about how the kids, you know, the younger kids aren't taking it seriously with socks down, not being prepared, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and then the fitness testing, like how much time you devote to staying in game shape. Uh, Cause you may get called on some, you may get called to do something that you weren't expected to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't thinking you were going to have to do it and they need help somewhere. So you get assigned a game that you weren't necessarily thinking you were going to do. And you've got to be ready for that. Right. So fitness is a big part of that um, being able to do it. But I wonder what would happen if you, had these younger kids, even though they make wages based on the age and the, you know, the numbers on the field, if there was some type of fitness assessment that would be a perk for them to take it more seriously. And the reward would be, you're going to make, you're going to be put in a different classification of referee and yeah, your wages yeah. would be different. You know, I don't, again, Brian, I'm, like, for our, and I know in our area of the, the, of the world we live here, we can't set any more barriers for referees because we just don't have enough to cover our game. So that would definitely cause some type of extra barrier. Yeah. And it, so we're on the survival mode here. Like we're, we're trying right. to find anyone who's willing to take the, I think they're going to have to make the course free. I'm assuming. And the, that's probably the next bet is make the course free, give them the free gear and see if anybody shows up to ref these games. And even then like they're still worried. It might not help. And then they're going to lose money. So like, that's a problem we're having. So it's hard to adjust situation, yeah. but now I think it's more showing the path. And, you know, like, like I said, when I saw the book, I said, oh, when I turned 17, because there is that age barrier, I think it's still there. Like, you can't yeah. upgrade to a certain point. You can't even take the fitness test to do that until you're like 16, 17. Hey, but, okay. you, but you know, but maybe that needs to be changed. Maybe we should be bringing some smear guys. And, you know, I know Sebastian's talking about some, the, we do have a, you know, it seems like there's no middle gap, right? Either getting the young buck or the old buck in the referee role. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's true. You know, it's a truth reality of it. Uh, yeah, very good, very good insight. I'll be right back. Now, I think I think 
we as a and this is coming from us as a as a club or or as a coaches and even our players and we are also extremely responsible to a certain extent for this issue partly because the reason why referees don't stick to it is because they don't want to get yelled at they don't want to be harassed in every game and things like that and 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 i agree i think i think as a club we all need to do better i know personally i need to do better um but we need to do i think it's it also stems from the idea that the coaches and the clubs we have to have a better family or parent education base to to look at how we treat our young referees or how we treat everybody anybody during a game cuz we can't have at 9 and 10 years old or at, at any age really but um especially when we see it at 9 and 10 years old parents and you know, yelling at a, at a 13, 14 year old kid who's doing the rig the game. And it might be, listen, it's somebody's first game at some point, right? So it's somebody's first middle. It's somebody's first uh, AR at some point. So I think there's a responsibility from our end to make sure that we educate our families, to make sure that they understand that, listen, in order for all of you to play, and if you order for you to have a really good experience, part of that becomes having a good referee. If you don't have a good referee, then the experience isn't, isn't complete. In order for you to have a good referee, they have to have experience. And it again, it's that circle of life type of thing, you know. A, I was about to say it's like a circle, it's like almost like you know how Chad talks about we gotta check the boxes, right? Yeah. When you show up to that field, you gotta check the boxes. Do I have quarter flags? Do I have goals? Do I have two teams? Do I have referees? Right. And the referees, uh, I I was talking to a referee, I was like, it's almost like being a manager at Chick-fil-A, right? Like you manage the game without you, there is no game or the game doesn't go as well. And I think that's for parents and coaches. They have to understand, like, you know, grandpa and grandma aren't coming out here and refereeing the games. It's always like, we look at the refs, they're always younger when they start. And, you know, when they get older, that's when you start to teeter off. But you're the manager. Like You've got to own this. And if someone's going to yell at you, I know it's hard for a 13, 14 year old, but you've got to be able to own that. You got to say, Hey, listen, no games. Yell again. You got to go. I think that's something. It's a hard, it's hard for a 14 year old to do because some 14 year olds just aren't wired that way. They say, Hey, you got to go. They sit down and talk to an adult. It's the same age as your parent. Could be a friend of your parents. Say, Hey, you got to go. Yeah. I had a hard part when I was, I, you know, I did some coaching too. You know, I ended up coaching Coral Springs, uh, the, a, a United, whatever the, the travel team. So yep. I ended up coaching the, I ended up taking over their younger base. And then I ended up, um, uh, like I had, I had basically had three, I basically had the U8s, which was right, like preparing them for U9s, but it was like 30 kids, you know, like I had a huge pool of develop of developing these kids to get them ready to, to go to travel. And uh, I also then was coaching Douglas. I was at a high school assistant coach, you know, a top program. We were, you know, fighting to win states. Um, and like you said, in the coaching world of Douglas, like I, I, I could, I would purposely push the referee to a point where I get a warning and then I knew I could back off just like, you know, to grow in the game. And then when I went to randomly, you know, I went straight to a UA game the next morning, I would accidentally do the same. And it's a 14 year old girl. And I'm going, Oh my God, I just told this 14 year old. I just, I just put a mental game with a 14 year old girl, you know, poor girl, you know, like, like I can clearly see, I just ruined her, you know, maybe that one comment might have ruined her game where she's like, think what's wrong with this guy right here, you right. know? 
who knows, you know? Um, but it, it, that those changes are so drastic and it's a part of the game to almost kind of uh, have a relationship with the referee. But now when that relationship, now when you're doing games, like you're, the kids, you know, it's a kid, you know, they're built, they're under third, you know, they're 13 or they're uh, even, you know, teen, they're still a teen. And it, it, it's, it's not still learning and growing about the world. Right. Like, so I, think, not, I feel like part of the responsibility as a coach, like I kind of with our younger referees is, can I go up and say something positive? Right. Like if, even if you had the worst game, I'll make the suggestion at the end, but can I start off with, Hey, this is a great game. Like, great way to keep the keep the advantage going right like you could have blew the whistle there you're a great job doing the advantage hey your shirt was untucked make sure it's you know tucked in all the time like you know it's a presentation like hey you left the ball in the middle of the field you're gonna take the ball with you at halftime like think that the positivity if we could all just encourage 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 make them feel a little bit better about themselves like they may know they had the worst game ever but if we can continue to keep that positivity and build that confidence you know, it may see a different result. Yeah, it's this youth world is a wild world. You know, you know, I, I still think the ones who do it best is YMCA. You know, like they, they don't pay their refs. It's like kind of parents, and it is what it is. You know, the results are the results. You know, because they really don't value their results. You know, it's when you. That's go, a, there's a solution right there. Maybe we make every parent become be a referee. referee at least once. You know, in, instead of this, but when you go into the competitive world now, when it comes to travel soccer is when, you know, you, that, that those type of things doesn't work, you know, yeah. but when it comes to recreational or, or below that real competitive nature, I think that route is always much more beneficial for the game itself. You know, well, we found, we've found success um, having our travel players become our grassroots referees for the U8 program. And we meet with all the coaches and I got I caught I caught a little bit of grief from some of the coaches because my speech to the coaches uh, one point before Dwayne took over this role, I said, you know, these are our travel players, and I'm going to tell you these are my travel players. I coach a lot of these kids. If you yell at one of them, I'm coming after you. Like if I find out that there's a problem with one of our players, I'm coming after you. And some people didn't necessarily take to my my tone too well, but at the same time, I also and and Marcos, I'm like you. I find a way to push the limit at times, at times to make the referee to, to hopefully try to encourage a sense of control. I know I'm not, listen, win or lose. The reality is, is that I have control over my team and that's about it. Right. So I can play against a team that's better, better, the same or worse. And that's pretty much all I can kind of base things on. So all I can do is try to make the game better. So if we have a game that's extremely challenging, we've, Dwayne and I both coach a high school girls age team. And we all know that high school girls at times, depending on the opponent can be somewhat mean at times, probably a little more mean than boys at that age group can be. Um, so it does take a, a, a certain level of control for a game like that. So that, that way it doesn't get out of hand because there is no middle ground in girls soccer at times. You're either yeah, all, every, everybody's happy to like, we're on a brawl in the middle of the field. Yeah. And it takes the and it takes a referee like to understand the game too, right? Like you've got to under like when you you look at the high school girls, right? We go and play that PSA team, world class team, right? You can't play that like you got to understand. Hey, this is a high level game. Mm-hmm. Got to let it play out because if you play that whistle, like you know you're blowing the whistle, you're playing a tight whistle. I guarantee you, you and Chad are screaming because I don't yell at referees anymore. It only took me one time to learn. I don't yell at referees. 
But like they've also got to understand the context of the game. Say, okay, you know, they got to kind of do some homework. All right, what kind of game am I looking at? Am I looking at a you know a high school girls game that isn't really good? Is it a Mount Pleasant versus a Brandy Wine? It's not really good. I'm just going to be standing here. Kids don't really know anything about soccer. Or is it going to be, you know, that number two team in the nation playing against another like really high level team? You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, when you really try to get the outside view of what, what's going on, what's happening, uh, it's, it, it's, at the end of the day, it's a game, right? Soccer is a game. These sports are a game. So when it's a game, there's meant to have adversity challenges, you know? So like, even if you see at the highest level from, let's say, as of late when Messi and Ronaldo challenged, you know, Juventus played Barcelona, I felt like maybe that the official, if you agree or don't agree with some of the stuff, but maybe his style, just as in that level, just a style of a referee could hinder the game or not, you know, a team might have to actually change a little bit of how they play because they know the referee has this certain style. And, and sometimes you're like, oh, well, why don't they get the perfect referee for those two perfect teams? And everything just works out perfect all the time, you know, but it's it's a game, you know, it, it it's the luck of the draw. It's like, man, we're going to spin this dial. You've got that ref. you got that ref. Today's the game. Who's going to be better today? You know, well, that, that ref that has you that's going to let you play a little bit, right? You see what I'm saying? So it, you can never really almost paint a perfect picture. It's like you got to be able to get ready for that adversity and conquer it. Hey, Coach Brian talks, and, and Derrickson talks about this all the time. There are things that you cannot control. You cannot control the – at times, you cannot control the field you're playing on. Can't control the weather. Can't really control the other team, and you definitely cannot control the referee. You just have to adjust to it. Right, Brian? Yep. Well, I think mean, you can control it yourself and, and, and how you react to situations. Yeah. Um, so, and, and Marcus brought this up uh, uh, about adversity and, and things like that. So, one of the things that – is somewhat of a hot topic to a certain extent is VAR, the video assistant referee. And we've discussed it on the podcast before and, and going through some of the games and we're, we're Philadelphia union fans on this podcast. Uh, and one of the games that you did this year was Montreal against mm -hmm. Philadelphia union. And uh, there was a red card uh, early on into the game that uh, Montreal lost the player and then Philadelphia won the game. So what has VAR changed in your perspective of the game and and then I'll, and we'll kind of go from there because i have a question after that but i wanted to i want to get your opinion first on how, how has it changed the game so far um well for me personally you know like i i got I, I earned or gained a teammate you know uh, so for me i, I love var because you know what when i miss something uh, i can guide it i can i can use it as a tool to help me serve the match better you know Unfortunately, like we we talked about, it's a game, and stuff still goes wrong. There's still human involvement. There's uh, opinions and and uh, views and viewpoints, you know. So things can not seem, seem like they went to plan, right? Even with that tool. But for me, as a professional referee, I, I you know you, I game teammate. I, you just got to learn how to bring it into your game and grow with it, and not have it you know hinder you. So, and I think the the one of the biggest or not not issues that i have with concerns at times and i watch a lot of south american soccer and i feel like i watch the mls i watch the uh champions league or the european leagues and then i watch south american soccer and i almost feel like it's a different var system below the, the equator to a certain extent at times i don't know why but it just feels that way um but do you feel like at times in comparison to other sports so we look at uh football or or rugby to a, let's just say rugby because rugby has an interesting 
uh, video review system as well. Do you think we'll ever get to the point where us as the as the audience are going to be able to, for example, like rugby, where you hear every single interaction that the referee has from the moment that there's a video review system going on? Do you think we'll ever get to that point? Uh, yeah, it's coming. You know, it's 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 creeps on. You know, like let's face it, we kind you know we always want protection on a fight back because uh, you know it's personal space there. But it seems like that's what the world wants. You know, that's what the people want, and the people want to you know as much interaction as possible. And live feed is seems like it's we're gonna be going real live. You know, so as soon as there's a play and we're stopping for review, it's basically you're going live with the ref. You know, and you're hearing all the audio. I think we're we're very we're touching that that surface very shortly. So is it, is it going to be like NFL style? Like, yeah, basically. Mike, you know, mic'd up. Oh, you know, sorry. I'm already, I'm already mic'd up. You know, I'm already mic'd up, but I just they can't access that feed. But you know, I'm already radioed up. And so you think? I, like, I, I swear, we're like a, I always say, I'm like a RoboCop. You know, I'll have like we have I have a, a tech. Uh, I'll have a device on my arm for my system referee. I have a device for the communication. I have, you know, my spray. I already have a whistle. I got cards. It's like, um, you know, it's so many tools. So we're going to get to the point where it's like offsides. Like and then maybe they go live with the ref. Yeah, he was offside. Uh, he, he, you know, buddy beat him on the left over there. And as they're trying to get as, dis- you know, as discreet as they can and trying to really see that human feel for the booth. And then Sebastian, I, I, just like I would say laws of the laws, FIFA laws of the game, you know, IFAB, it's, it's one, it's, it's, it's concrete, right? The 17 laws of 17 laws it is what it is, but each federation and country have our, our, um, our styles and, and how we see the game and observe the game or play the game or we think is fair or not fair. And that goes as far as each federation to what they allow and don't allow, you know, I'm a, you know, each federation has actually have a lot, they have a lot of control of how they want their game to be played. They can, they have to respect FIFA and those laws, but they get to really bend those rules the way they like to bend them, you know? Um, and a lot of it is driven by fans and audience and, and, and you know, and, and those measures. Oh, for sure. And that's definitely, I don't know that that's ever going to go away, especially not in South America and, and you having, yeah. you know, the Brazil background as well, that there's definitely <laughs> South American soccer probably is lived like anywhere, like nowhere else in the, in the world. Correct. Um, and I honestly, you know, a lot of times it goes down to education, man. You know, it's like, how were they yeah. really able to, to group, to gather these people together and educate them about this system? Like how do they really get qualified, get certified? Like, we had a budget here that was un- that was unreal. You know, we had a budget here that was probably bigger than some countries' budgets. You know what I mean? Uh, and we were able to train a, a lot of people and get a lot of people up to date with the technology that we can. That I think that's why we've had so much success. I mean, we brought in Howard Webb for God's sakes from England to help the referees here. It's like we they weren't messing around here. They only took drastic measures. Now I think in other countries they didn't have that access to, to probably funds and then to uh, you know. Uh, I want to say, um, how do you say it? help, you know, here in America, we're, you know, we live in a replay world here, you know, every sport that we have has replay. So these other countries, they never, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't okay with that. You know, it was, it was harder to change that in their minds compared to us. It's like, all right, cool. If you finally joined the bandwagon, you know? Yeah. So, all right. So before, before we wrap up, all right. So I, I got to ask just because it's, it's happened this last couple of days or, or things like that in some games that I've watched. So, so I, I, it obviously, I'm, I know that the answer might be 
no to a certain extent maybe but all right is there a way or is there a clear-cut answer on a handball or the idea of the ball comes in rebounds off your deflects off your foot or your leg and then it hits your hand inside the box let's just say uh that that seems to be one of the biggest questions at least that i've seen uh and and i and i feel like i don't because not every game, obviously not every play is the same, but not every game, and even when plays are similar, it's still never <laughs> the same answer. So from your perspective, from your opinion, your view, or or your your uh from your experience. Yeah, handling is the entire time. I guess it's personal for me. Like it's uh it, it's the, to me, it's the hardest law of the game, you know, it's the hardest law to apply, you know, and that and that's why I think you've seen so many changes, especially as a recent. Of reflecting the handball law, right? Uh, in your case scenario, as the law is written right now, uh, as long as that arm is in a natural plane silhouette, you know, area, um, it's not handball, okay? But had if you're his, his hands out here, right. and now right. I try to control it and it pops up here, yeah. now yeah. by law, yeah, that's a handball. You know, referee should be calling that as a penalty kick, unless he really feels that like that arm was just had to been there because i don't know maybe like something had you mosquito got you in the head and you had a scratch <laughs> you know otherwise it's being called okay <laughs> for that particular play but uh i don't know if you remember a philly game i called a handball in bedoya mm-hmm. uh tough call to make you know uh, in that moment of the match and especially knowing old school ways like you that's that, that's kind of old school no when i grew up watching soccer you wouldn't call that as a handball but i knew his arm it's a shot on goal. And those are the most delicate ones with, that we have with law. When it's a shot on goal, you got to be real careful with your arm because your arm, if it is in any bit unnatural, I'm forced. I'm half it to me by law, it's considered a handball. So yeah. to me, his arm was just a little bit outside of his silhouette. He made himself a little bit bigger than he should have had, you know, and the guy took a shot. It's a handball, you know? Uh, so the, those deflection ones are, are if it's like okay, to answer the question, if it's a deflection off the defender, like as long as as long as it's in your playing silhouette, no handball. If you're really out there, we'll call it. Compared to the forward, now like remember the handball changes yeah. to the forward to the defender, which is another thing that causes confusion oh, yeah. among people. You know, anybody if it just touches the arm and hand in any way, really, um, and it causes gain possession control okay. the goal. <clears throat> you know. Yeah. That's the one that I have issues with because, you know, there are instances in the game where you 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 could be faulted for doing nothing wrong, right? Or nothing that – like there was nothing you could have done in that moment to avoid that, which to me is a little funky in that way. You know, again, growing up playing different oh, yeah. era, right? different laws when we, we were playing. So uh, that's the only one that I have a hard time with. <laughs> I'm always like, man, so. like we want to see goals, you know, count right. the goal. But it's a handball. Oh yeah, let's be the black and white. Keep it easy for everybody. Well, and I, and I do agree with you that 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 was that's probably been one of the most clear cut res- or or guidelines or or laws to it, right? If it if it touches any part of the hand at any point, accidental, not accidental, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't count if it goes into the. And and I and I do agree with that. Like I think that one's pretty clear cut, and and I agree with the sense of it. Whether I agree with it in logic or not. It doesn't matter. Like at that point, I agree with the law, right? It's this whole, whole idea of um, of heading the ball, right? I you eleven, we can't head the ball. Whether I agree with it or not doesn't really matter. I ultimately follow the laws, and it's pretty straightforward. 
in that regard. And I think that's that's the tough part because I think VAR at times tries to do that, like tries to give a clear cut things or or make it as clear cut as possible. But then a lot of the a lot of the element that this game has is the human element of it, and and is that that part of it i think that's the tough part that i don't know that we'll i think we'll get closer to figuring it out i don't know that it will ever be figured out because like you said everybody has a different sets of uh rules that they can maybe bend or 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 expectations or or guidelines that they that they follow or how they want their games called and i think that's the that's the hard part um so before before we before we wrap up we usually try to we ask all of our guests to give us their three favorite soccer players uh, in general that that you enjoy watching or have watched and things like that. So who are your three favorite soccer players? Um, I'm not going to – I'm sort of going over tired. I don't want to talk about players that are playing now. You Go know, for it. I think, although <laughs> you know, you've got to put Ronaldo and Messi. They're, they're two guys that we're just fortunate to be able to have seen, you know. But my big three are, I would say, R9, Ronaldo, right? The Brazil traditional mm-hmm. man. I, uh, I know at his peak, I remember, like, you know, his best. I still don't think I've seen something like that, you know? Like, and, you know, some thinking some of those highlights and some of those games, like, I just, it was a different animal out there, man. And, oh, yeah. and even some of the stuff that's going on today, uh, not taking credit for anybody else. And then I'm going to have to say Zidane, you know, another guy that I, you know, I got to see in stadium and he's you know he's he he just gravitated your your energy your 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 eye you, your eyes you're not really watching the game you're just watching Zidane you know you're like man look how easily he did those couple some of those like everything he did was just amazing to be honest with you um and then uh I would say Pelé man come on <laughs> man. you know um, you have to you know I mean I wanna, some of those great like Pelé Maradona and I'm gonna go as far as say Ronaldo Cristiano those guys are just almost like a different like level right you know like they really are you know as far as accomplishments or just um what they've you know what they've what they've created in attention right what they've brought into the football you know the way they've grown the game those guys are just they took it to you know or now you know Mara, you know pele took it to a different level maradona ran with it and then cristiano and messi have just taken it to an ultimate you know and those guys deserve so much credit for sure so before we wrap up, I, this, I promise this is the last one. Um, no, I have a question too. Oh well, Dwayne's got a question after mine. Uh, but what's what's next for you? Like, what is the next? What is the next thing? What's what are you working towards now? Is it the World Cup? Is it uh, international play? What what's what's the next step? You know, uh, that's a good question. You know, I we you know I, I look to get better every day, right? Like every day I'm trying to get better. You know, and I'm at a good point in my career where I'm, I feel like I'm a, I'm now I'm a little more mature enough, old enough, and uh, figured, you know, what really works for me to, to, to start really, you know, earning my respect and, uh, my, um, and earning my, like, you know, big games, you know, I, I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting, you know, polished for, for bigger, you know, primetime matches. Uh, I, we, in America, it's almost like, you know, if you're a ref MLS, MLS is my bread and butter, right? It's MLS is my home, you know, it's my club, you know, it's my, my club team. And then to be a FIFA, it's like national team duty. You know, so it's, it's it's in America we're privileged to have that strong base. While some countries, it's like they really their bread and butter is FIFA matches, and then they have to, you know, then they they don't have too much at home. So it's funny how that works here in our country. Uh, but you know, yeah, I want a World Cup, man. You know, I want I want to first, you know, really 
be prime where I'm at, you know, get my base, my foundation, and then move on from there, you know, um, get ready for that next stage of being a FIFA and trying to get a world cup, you know? Great. All right, Dwayne. So this goes back to the VAR. Um, when like, so like, is like when VAR goes off, like what, like as a referee, what are you like, Oh snap, did I miss something or like, you'll immediately get right. So we, there's certain plays, right? Certain plays you can check particularly. There's like, you know, there's, there's laws and guidelines, but let's say I'm going to go over that situation with uh, the red card elbow in Montreal, Philly, right? Yep. I gave uh, a red card to um, Kyoto. Kyoto, yeah. Yep. Uh, so Kyoto, uh, again, so boom, happens. Man down. Immediately, VAR will go, Marcos, we're checking. And then I start firing information. Look, I saw, I, I saw the, I did see the hand to the, to the, I did see the swing, but to me, it was more reckless. He didn't really mean to hurt him. It was more get off me or, you know, I'm a tough guy, not I'm trying to hurt you and get you out of this game or cause violent or cause harm or, you know, endanger uh, into this, you know, his safety. Uh, so that's what I reflected. Hey, to me, like, you know, he it was it was more of a big man trying to be a big man and not trying to hurt nobody. So, so I, it's, I like a, it's like more of like a conversation that's going on. Conversation, full out conversation. And he's out there trying to get any information, anybody that has facts or something that can help to piece the puzzle. And now he has to decide if my decision, he'll ask me, what's your decision on the field? So I go, from what I saw, I'm giving Kyoto a yellow card. It wasn't more than that. Okay. Now he needs to see, am I clearly wrong? I could not be right. You know, like, like he might say, you know what, Marco, this is a red, but I can see yellow here too. He's supposed to let that slide here in the MLS. Um but if he's like, no, this needs to be dealt with. We cannot have this in our game. Sends it down. And rightfully so, he sent it down. And uh, Kyoto had to go for, you know, violent conduct. You know, he really uh, – that, that swing could have really caused harm, you know. Um, so that's how Especially we – Especially as Mark we, McKenzie, who's our boy from Delaware. <laughs> that's funny. McKenzie's a good guy. Um, and, you know, his dad's, a referee, is, his dad's a referee as well. Is from uh, Bedoya is from our, our basically around us our yeah. hometown over there in uh, Western area. Yeah, Wall Springs. Um, so yeah, man, that's uh, that's a take on that. You know, it's very in the moment. You know, you, and you think you, you each second seems like it. it it's an int- it, it's like you know an infinity. You know, in ten seconds, you know, it's incredible when you look back at it. You go, wow, that only took five seconds or ten seconds to get that. But in reality, I thought it was a minute or two minutes. You know, it just. No, it does. It seems like it's a quick decision, but I feel like there's like like you said, there's a conversation that's going on behind it. I didn't know if it was like, you know, maybe something happens behind you. You didn't see it. And he's like, hey, Marcus, you missed this. And you're like, what did I miss? Mm-hmm. But it's, exactly. good, it's like a conversation. What did you see? That's mm-hmm. uh that's really good. And listen, that's a that's a that's a lot of really cool information that I think we just we all got and uh, so I, I, Marcos, I really appreciate your time. Um, we wish you the best of luck. We want to for sure see you in a world cup. Uh, I know that and, and we, and we experienced this with Mark McKenzie is, is him being from Delaware and we know his dad's dad's a referee as well in our leagues. Um, so for, for me, uh, anytime I get to see you, I turn on the TV and I watch a game and, and there you are. I'll usually text my dad. Hey, Marcos is refereeing this game. Uh, so for, for me, you know, from growing up in Coral Springs, uh, and having been a referee and having gone to ref games with you, uh, 
it, it's awesome to see. And it, it definitely, there's a sense of pride that, that I get, uh, not only from the Coral Springs, uh, Broward County, nine, five, four community, but also, uh, also as a, as a former referee as well, that, that it's, it's awesome that, you know, somebody I know is, has made it to that level. You know, it's almost to the idea of, uh, of having either somebody I used to play with, uh, making it to a national team or a professional team, or even somebody I coached, uh, at some point making that like it, there's, there's that level of pride. So, um, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate your time. Awesome guys. Uh, thanks for having me on Sebastian. Like I said, uh, it's great that we know we, 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 we know we've done some games together to go back those days, you know, those good infant days, man, you know, you can't take those moments back. Um, and I've always had, you know, we always had some kind, great moments together. Uh, doing what we do love, you know, watching the ball go around um, and, you know, how this game takes care of so many people. Uh, and then just, you know, in general, man, a lot of this information also is out there. You know, I know ProRefereeS.com has a lot of cool stuff. We also had our own, uh, they followed Alan Chapman, a referee, for a little bit of his, like his game and his pregame. It was pretty, it's pretty cool uh, little thing they got there. And and also, you know, like I told I'm big on fitness, you know, I pro, you know, I got our science program. I also, I'm really involved in this personal training, one-on-one PT, one-on-one app. That's all really cool stuff, all free information. It's just, it's just you know, uh, to keep everybody going in the right direction and keep everybody active in our game and keep growing our game, you know. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.